Amen. Thanks, Aid. Thank you, guys in the band. So this weekend, a few people from church have been camping together. Just a time of, of slowing down, of stopping and hanging out together in the sun. And guess who didn't put sun cream on the back of their neck? Yep, it was this guy. And so if I, if I collapse or I pass out this morning, it may be the Holy Spirit or it may be sunstroke. We'll find out. Uh, so I hope that you are enjoying the sun this weekend. If you're watching uh, live this morning, maybe you're out in the garden uh, enjoying the sun. Uh, unless you're watching this in like December 2025, that would be kind of weird. Although with global warming, who knows? Controversial. So anyway, camping this weekend, my wife Jo and I, we took our tent with us. And our tent carries the marks of having been loved over a long time. It's got uh, two uh, large pods, a middle section, uh, a porch, a separate fly sheet. It's got lots of separate parts. It's got green and yellow and black poles, and some of them are held together with duct tape. And, um, and the elastic is like overstretched, so they don't really hold together. There's not really much tension in them. There's zips that are broken. And so it was probably its final voyage. Uh, this weekend. Um, but gradually, at each stage of building our tent up, it started to more resemble our tent. In many of his letters to different places and, and churches, Paul describes those who follow Jesus and who are in community with one another as a building growing into a temple for God to live in and through us. Because there's something about when we're together, when we're in community, that God is just able to to dwell and, and to be and to empower us to live as the people that he's made us to be. And so Paul writes in Ephesians that, that if you follow Jesus, you are built on the foundation of those before you, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone uh, was traditionally the first stone that was laid in a building, and and it determines how other stones are laid, and, and even ultimately the position of the building. And it's a place where two walls intersect, and it maintains them together. And so in him, in Jesus as the cornerstone, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If you've stayed in a tent, you'll know that it's not a very good dwelling if it's just the, if it's just the material, the canvas, and none of the poles uh, that all intersect at different points and work together to build up the structure. And in the same way, none of the metaphors and the communal imagery that Paul uses to describe what this community as a building, as a, d- as a dwelling should look like, involve words that carry the meaning of an individual entity. There's no island or, or lone wolf language here. This, there's, there's an interdependence and, and a necessity to each part. And Paul goes so far to say that we're actually members of one another, meaning that we're bound by the same 
creator that our histories and our destinies cannot be divided, and what happens to one affects another. The Zulu language has a word for this, Ubuntu. I am because you are. Simon Gillibode, who has been a missionary in Rwanda and many parts of Africa for several years, says that this word Ubuntu is not just an idea or a saying out there, but it's, it's a philosophy of life, that my very existence is caught up in yours, and I cannot fully live unless you fully live. In the field of personal development, psychologists will tell you that what is holding you back from your true potential and becoming your future self, your, the, the self that you want to be, is your present self living out your past habits based on your life experience because the brain is hardwired for survival. And so therefore to step out and to achieve goals and to fulfill and to become who you want to be, you need to reinvent yourself and imagine yourself as the future version of you who has already achieved and accomplished and become everything that you hope to be. It's essentially renewing your mind by building yourself up to live vicariously but in reality as your ideal self. One thing I love about Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you know him, is that he saw the disciples, those that he called to come and follow him and be with him and learn from him and do life with him. He saw them at their full potential in a way that they never could. Because some of these guys, they they didn't make it through school in the day. They were learning the trade of their fathers. And so in a societal way, these guys just weren't really going places. But it was by Jesus' grace and his truth and his teaching and and his ways, and his life, that they were able to step into the potential that he already saw in them. And this is the role that we now play in those around us, because God has not designed us to be individuals, to build ourselves up in some imagined version of ourselves, but as people made in the image of a God who is in community with himself, we build up one another This is how it's designed to be. And I know this is the case for all of us, but but I really struggle with this in my own self-sufficiency. And we don't want to appear like we need others too much or or like we're going to fail if we step out and try something on our own. But I want to tell you today that you can only take yourself so far, however much you imagine yourself already at the finish line of what a fulfilled life and success look like for you. Because in any engineered structure or system or building or tent, its strength and stability derives from materials and forces interacting with one another. And it's this system of mutual support which enables the construction of much larger buildings than otherwise could have been built. The very fact that we need one another is supposed to be what gives the church its strength. And the minute we decide to stop leaning on one another, we fall. I cannot fully live unless you fully live. We can all relate from the pandemic this last 15, 16, 17 months, who's counting, right? 
how much this year has exposed the value of relationships, of, of the personal, of, of being present and, and embodied and, and needing one another and involved in each other's lives. I saw a friend this week uh, that I haven't seen since my wife Jo and I's wedding, which was almost two years ago. And um, we FaceTimed a few times over the last however many months. And um, she, was, she was just coming down from Kent to Swanage for a week uh, for a bit of time away for retreat. And uh, so um, I managed to be available. She came down through Bournemouth. And uh, we, we were able to get together. And so we were just catching up with each other's lives and, um, and just sharing kind of what's been going on. And, and so uh, in the midst of like sentences, we just find ourselves uncontrollably laughing. Like we just couldn't stop laughing. And it was just this overflow of joy of, of being together, of seeing one another in person in a way that, that FaceTime and modern media, the way that it mediates uh, you know, so many of our interactions over this, this last year just can't replace. John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I've been too hurried to finish, talks about the perils of, uh, of just our modern life, the way that life has sped up, and the way that it, it actually takes us away from real, genuine, deep connection and friendship and belonging to one another and to God. However much uh, we pursue productivity uh, to try and be more and, and feel more through doing more, it just doesn't bring us that kind of contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment that we're all seeking to nurture. Life has sped up. We know this. Think about the last time that you bumped into someone that you were too busy to stop to talk to. And I mean like actually too busy to stop and talk to, not like, you know, I'm really sorry, I'm just, I'm too busy, but you know it's just an excuse. Like, actually too busy, you bump into someone, you really want to talk to them, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in ages, and you've got to be somewhere else, you've got to do something else. John Mark Comer in The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry also talks about character and communion, being the places where we really thrive and really become all that human beings were created to be. And I want to suggest today that the place where character and communion intersect is when we build up one another. Because we're all caught up in this activity of one anothering. We all have another. We all have a one another, whether it's uh, the people that you live with, whether it's your family, your extended family, or co-workers, or friends, or a boyfriend, or girlfriend, or a spouse, or, or the person that you, you chat to at the checkout uh, in the shop, if it's not just all automated, and McDonald's, and you kind of hit the, you know, the kind of self-do-it-yourself kiosk thing. The people that we all interact with, we're all one anothering, someone, all the time. And so in this equation of doing life together with other people, surrounded by other people, throughout the New Testament, Paul urges us to build up one another. In Romans 14, he writes, So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And in 1 Thessalonians, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. But I thought... I thought building up was encouragement. This sounds like 
there's more. There's a distinction. Encourage and build up. Maybe it is more. Maybe it's not just so that we feel good for a minute. It sounds like it goes beyond that, that there's a larger purpose, an end result, a, a telos. What it really means to build one another up is to edify. Okay, so this needs some explaining. The word used for edification in the New Testament is oikodome, oikodome, which translates literally as the building of a house. And this word, oikodome, the word indicates the promotion of a spiritual growth and development of character. Edification is more than just encouragement. It, it includes any activity that results in becoming more like Jesus in another and the great news is that today and every day, we all get to play a part. So today, I want to suggest that there are three ways that we build up one another. When my wife Jo and I got together, we, uh, we explored and talked about the five love languages. Maybe you've come across them. Uh, so you've got uh, quality time, uh, touch or physical affection. You've got giving gifts, you've got acts of service, doing something for someone else, and words of affirmation. These are someone, I don't know who, came up with like five kind of categories of ways that we, that we feel loved or that we give love to others. And so uh, Jo and I, we talked about this and, and we discovered that her love languages are actually quality time um, and words of affirmation, kind of being the main one. And so I thought words of affirmation means you know, just saying nice things like being positive and complimenting and, and encouraging. But actually, over time, the more that we've been together and, and journeyed life a little bit longer, I've learned that words of affirmation to Joe mean reassurance, mean that actually she can tell me anything without me getting frustrated or trying to fix it. And I know I'm preaching to someone other than me out there today. And so that safety and that trusting me with anything, because I'm going to respond from a place of unconditional love, means that I know her enough, and I understand her, because I know what it means to actually give her words of affirmation. So to build someone up, I want to say today means to know someone, to actually want to know someone. I love the way that, that F.W. Borum in his book, Mountains in the Mist, talks about knowing one another. He writes that uh, there are scores of tribes and peoples on the face of the earth whose very names would surprise us if we heard them. How can we love them? But God loves them because he knows them. We always love people if we know them. It's always safe to conclude if we do not love someone, that's because we do not know them. I like to think as I walk down the crowded street that every soul I meet, however commonplace or unattractive, is all the world to somebody. Somebody loves them because somebody knows them. I love those words. So this is personal. This happens in relationship. To build someone up first means to know them. It's showing someone, either in words or, or gifts or affection or even listening to them and not trying to fix them 
or serving them that I see you. I see you. But what happens when we know someone and we see something in them? Because relationship costs us vulnerability and it exposes us for who we really are, which means that we can't just simply encourage and affirm them and say, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Sometimes we have to speak the truth. This is what it really means to love someone. To edify doesn't mean just flattery. It's both compliment, sure, of course it's compliment, but it's also conviction. Building a house involves some mess on a building site. Sometimes it's the difficult conversations where you tell them the truth to build them up. You say something that they need to hear so that they can hear God more. And because we're building one another, there is an up. There's a direction that is dynamic. It's not staying in the place that you are, but calling you upwards towards higher things, towards your potential, towards looking not more like your ideal projected self, but of who God says you are and who he's created you to be, back into alignment with the goodness of creation, the things of God and the kingdom that's coming, so that we would live out compassion and kindness, as Paul writes in Colossians, and and humility and gentleness, and we would be a people of, of patience and forgiveness. In our cultural moment, the time that we're living in, we see the hallmarks of that time being tolerance and relative truth, where authority and revelation are no longer what God says and no longer even in the age of reason, which is just what you think, but it's actually you and how you feel about things. Martin Isles outlines our culture as an age of self-love, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-care, being my best self, and the selfie. But this doesn't lead to character development. Every human being is created to live for something bigger than ourselves. It's joining into the story that God is writing and doing it in relationship with one another. So how do we get built up? In the tough issues, well, it's always in love. As a church, as the people of God worldwide, we kind of have a reputation for being judgmental, for bigotry, and sometimes for intolerance. And yes, there is an irony in having to employ some of the same logic to make those claims, but there's a distinction between judgment and what we'd call rebuke. To be judgmental is to look down, whereas rebuke or building up corrects upwards if it's done in love, if it's done in a way that says, I see you, I see what's going on, I know you. Let me speak to you in a way that you can hear. And so we're told to be a people who, as we're one anothering, as we're building one another up, that we bear with one another in Colossians 3. Paul writes, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. One of our passages this morning where we find this phrase, oikodome, which means build up one another, is in Romans 14. And the context for this chapter, this passage, is about how to disagree 
over what we eat. I mean, if you don't believe me, go and read it for yourself. Go and read Romans 14. This is about how to disagree over what we eat, among other things. And how often, this got me thinking, how often do we get into an argument with someone and we forget why, or we forget where it even started, and we end up so far from that. Or we tear someone down because of something that's going on in us. You know, sometimes we just have to have a different perspective and to love each other in that. We, we wrestle over things, and then we just have to disagree in love in those times and see someone as God sees them and leave them more built up than the way that we found them. So I want to ask you today, is there a relationship that needs to be restored? Maybe a bridge that needs to be rebuilt? And what does it look like to love and to affirm the person but not the thing we see in them, maybe even what we might call sin, when for some people what God calls sin is who they say that they are, and when to love is actually the truth. This is why we need the whole story of creation and the gospel, because anything that makes a statement about sin without the whole story is out of context. We always need the whole truth, which starts with seeing someone as God sees them made in the image of God with their potential. And this is a challenge to me. Believe me, this is a challenge to me. I like the way that John Maxwell talks about how we see one another. He says, how I see you determines my attitude towards you. How I see you determines my attitude towards you. If I see you as weak, he says, I will help you. If I see you as broken, I will fix you. But if I see you as valuable, I will serve you. So secondly, I see you because I know you. And so if you'll let me, I'm going to lift you up. And thirdly and finally, of course, it is also encouragement. Of course it is. Encouragement, though, is countercultural in a cancel culture. Uh, as I was thinking about encouragement, there's a video that I saw on YouTube, and I tried to find it again, maybe I saw it on Facebook or something, where uh, there's a teacher of um, primary school or probably elementary school in the States, and all the kids are queued up in a line, and he's at the front of the class on a you know, little kid's chair, and each kid comes forward, and he just says something to build them up, something encouraging, something loving, and gives them a high five at the end. And for me, that's just a picture of what it looks like to encourage someone. And there's such a power in that. And every single one of us has the potential to build up or to tear down. We read so many times in Scripture that, that death and life are in the power of the tongue in Proverbs 18. Or in 1 Peter, that if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Or in Ephesians 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so that it may benefit them when they hear. And who of us don't feel loved and built up in our spirit when we hear the right words said at the right time with the right spirit? So don't tear down, build up. Because you have no idea what a word from you could do in the life of someone else. 
But what encouragement really means is to place courage in another. For them to be able to keep running their race and maybe you running alongside them, helping to carry the burdens. To build someone up means I see you, I care, and keep going. So today, build up one another, love one another, encourage one another. These verses are addressed to those who are already in the community of God, but if you don't follow Jesus, if you're not there yet, if someone just sent you this link this morning, maybe you're watching in December 2025, you've just stumbled across this video, then I want to say that there is a place for you too in this community where we build one another up. Jesus says to everyone everywhere, come and follow me. Come and live in relationship with me as you were created to, as you were always made to. And there's a better way. There's a, a TV show called The Chosen, and I really want to recommend that to you. Uh, you can download the app, The Chosen, or you can find the episode streamed on YouTube. And, and in this show, which is all about the life of Jesus, there's, there's, there's a character, there's someone that we read about in the Bible who says that I was one way, now I'm another. And what happened in between was Jesus. And that's true of my life too, that I was one way, now I'm another way. And the difference in between was Jesus. Jesus says to you that I offer you forgiveness from the past, new life for today, and hope for the future. He wants to be in relationship with you. He's pursuing you. And so if you don't know him, then I'd love you to reach out to us here at Coastline, to me. You can email me personally, anthony at coastlinevineyard.church, and I would love to FaceTime with you if you're further away or grab coffee with you and just chat to you about Jesus and the difference that he makes because these verses are for you too, you too when you're in, in the family and in the community of God. So, sorry, I've messed this up. I was looking for Becky. Thank you, Becky. Thanks so much. So this is what, uh, this is what building one another up looks like. These are my tent poles. I, I did say that it was the final voyage of our tent, and I did just cut out the string because I was getting all tangled up and trying to, trying to get them separated. But this is what building one another up looks like. It's saying, it's saying, ta-da. Do you know what? I wish these were these magic ones where, you know, you just snap your fingers. Okay. So do you know what? I see you. I see you. And, and actually, uh, I know maybe you don't know too many people around here, or, or I just see that, um, that maybe there's something going on, but I'd love to just, just hang out with you, just spend some time with you. This isn't, by the way, a roadmap for how to date. So, so I see you, and I want to grab coffee with you. Um, and, then, and then as we get entwined with one another's lives, as we hear about what's going on, you know, it's saying, it's saying that, like, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but here's what God's done in my life. And, and here's something really difficult that I went through. And, and, and here's what God says about it. Or maybe, actually, you don't need to run away from him. Maybe God has something better for you. And so they just get built up a little bit more. And, and then, actually, it's, you know, what can I do for you? Can I, can I, can I make a meal for you? Can I... Can I look after the kids? Can I, can I 
Um, can I send you some scripture? Like, what is it that you need? And it's just giving them a little bit more encouragement to keep going. I don't need that one. Okay. So then, so then someone started here. But then just through maybe an act of service, maybe some encouragement, maybe calling out what's really going on, speaking the truth and sharing what God's done in your life, they get built up a little bit more. And what happens when one person gets built up is that this is every one of us in community with each other. We build up one another so that we become a temple of God for God to dwell in us and flow out of us into his world, into the people that we meet that are maybe all the world to someone or maybe not all the world to anyone and in one another so that the world would know that we follow Jesus. This is how scripture says that people will know that we're Jesus' disciples when we love one another, when we live in this kind of relationship and community with one another so that we can support one another because one tent pole on its own is just kind of not how it's meant to be. So um, just to close, and uh, yeah, sorry, you can come up now. Um, I have the privilege of being the youth pastor here at Coastline and of building up young people. And so um, I want to invite you, if, if you have a heart for young people, if, um, if in this season you feel like God is calling you to be a builder up of others, then I would, love to, I would love to chat to you. I'd love to grab coffee with you. And uh, we have a real vision here at Coastline in this next season coming out of this pandemic to build up young people, to see the potential in them as Jesus already sees, taking his lead and, and building up young people so that, so that they would never feel left behind or left out. So the way that we all grow is letting others build up our lives and building up the lives of those around us. And who is it for you today? Who are you building up? Or actually, maybe you've been running away from community a little bit in this last few months. Who are you letting into your life to see you and to build you up? And the bonus is, the more that that we build others up, the more we get built up into the likeness of Jesus. The more that we actually look more like Jesus by taking the time to see someone to say I care and keep going and to build them up.